from John, the 13th chapter. Now, before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered, You do not know now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no share with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, one who is bathed does not need to wash except for the feet, but is entirely clean. And you are clean, though not all of you. For he knew who was to betray him, and for this reason he said, not all of you are clean. After he'd washed their feet and put on his robe and had returned to the table, he said to them, do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord. And you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that also you also should do as I have done to you. And he said, very truly, I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. When he'd gone out, Judas, that is, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you another commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. We will get serious again in a minute. We'll get really serious a little bit later. But first, here is a little something for the kids and also maybe for anyone about my age who remembers Schoolhouse Rock. Safe and sound inside for you. <laughs> 
That was for my dad, too, because that kid was wearing a Reds shirt. <laughs> so that weird, cheesy little blast from the past came to mind when I learned a thing a couple of weeks ago about a doctor. His name's Jonathan Reisman, and he's written a new book called The Unseen Body. Each chapter of this book is about a specific body part or body fluid. Yeah. And everything that that particular body part or body fluid might have to tell us about ourselves, our health, our bodies, and their function and purpose. So as you might imagine, there's a chapter on the heart there's a chapter on the brain, there's a chapter on the liver, there's a chapter on the lungs, and so on. And as you might not like to imagine, there are also chapters on blood and urine and feces, too. As part of his research and as part of his lived experience as a doctor, really, as someone who found great respect and reverence for the human body on the very first day that he started dissecting his cadaver in medical school, Dr. Reisman also credits his medical studies and his career as a physician for turning him into a foodie of all things. Someone with a fascination with and a penchant for discovering more about food, and drink. He says that when he started learning about which muscles in the human body corresponded to which cuts of beef he was eating, he wanted to know more about that. So not only did he do some research, by the way, of slaughterhouses and butchers, but that led him to start collaborating with a chef on a project that they call Anatomy Eats, where they gather people for dinner, and he and the chef teach and they talk about and they explain to the guests what it is exactly that they are eating. Each dinner has a theme. The cardiovascular system, for instance, where they serve three species of heart, prepared in three very different ways. They serve things like blood cookies on cardiovascular night and blood sausage, too. I know enough about blood sausage to know that I want nothing to do with the blood cookie, whatever that is. And as part of such a meal, before or during 
dinner, I'm not sure which. The doctor dissects the heart in front of the dinner guests, showing them the arteries and the veins and the valves and how it all works and what makes it healthy and what causes it disease and so on. Bon appetit. Now, despite the fact that I don't eat mammals or birds, as some of you know, I have zero judgment about any of this. I actually give Dr. Reisman and anyone who dares to attend one of these anatomy eats dinners some credit for wanting to know that much about whatever it is they're having for dinner. Oddly enough, it all made me think about Jesus. Some of you aren't surprised by that. And his last supper. And what in the world those first disciples must have been thinking when he invited them over to celebrate the Passover meal. And then when he started breaking bread with them and pouring wine for them and talking to them about eating his body and drinking his blood for crying out loud. I wonder if they felt like they were at some first century version of an anatomy eats dinner party. And they were, in a way. We call Jesus the great physician, after all. And the great physician was teaching them about what it would mean to eat and to drink and to be fed and to be nourished and to be filled up with the body and the blood of the Lamb of God. Now, Jesus didn't dissect any lambs. Blood sausages likely weren't on the menu. But he did show his disciples what his body came to do. Its function and purpose, if you will. When he disrobed at dinner, when he wrapped the towel around himself, when he got on his hands and knees to wash the feet of his friends, Jesus modeled for his followers what servanthood looks like. He embodied humility and meekness, generosity and grace. And then he invited them to do likewise. And he gave them more clues that night too about what his blood could accomplish. His was a new covenant he said, of sacrifice, of mercy, of forgiveness, of sins. His was a cup of goodness to be shared with the whole wide world. It wasn't anything like a science project, but Jesus revealed his heart to them that night, too, in the end. And he invited them to show theirs in return. Just as I have loved you, he told them, you also should love one another. By this kind of love and mercy, with this sort of sacrifice and servanthood, everyone will know that you are my disciples, he told them. If you have this kind of love for one another in the world, they will know that we're in this together. That's what I think this Monday Thursday, this First Communion, this Last Supper, and this greatest commandment stuff of Holy Week is all about. 
for us. There's so much symbolism, so much emotion, so much ritual and tradition surrounding what we're here for tonight. And I think it's hard to wrap our heads and our hearts around it all, really. It's hard to swallow, as it were, the fullness of what this meal and this commandment mean for us. And I'm not talking about the gross factor in this. I'm talking about the grace factor here. That God would take on flesh, I mean, and take up a cross and give his life for the sake of the world and then ask us to do the same. That God would stoop to serve humbly, to give generously, to suffer sacrificially and ask us to do the same. That God would love people so deeply, without condition, with no strings attached, without any promised return on the investment, and command us to do that too. So we eat, so we drink, so we remember, so we give thanks, and so we hope tonight. We hope that the saying is true, that you are what you eat in some way, and that this meal fills us with the same deep love, with the same wide forgiveness, with the same faith that even though we die, we will live connected one to another, bound together by the grace of God in Jesus, crucified, risen for the sake of the world. Amen.